My friend uh, Yael Osowski from the Consumer Choice Center joins us uh, every Friday morning here on the Big Talker FM. The global grassroots movement for consumer choice, also host of the Consumer Choice Radio Show, Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. here on the Big Talker FM. Yael is a world traveler. He's uh, based out of Vienna. Last week, uh, we spoke with him in Davos, Switzerland, and here this morning, he is joining us from Cordoba, Spain. Yael, it's great to have you on the program. Good morning. Good morning to you, Joe. Thanks so much for having me on. Yes, yeah, great to have you here. And uh, so last week, uh, we were talking about uh, your life choices and going to Davos and uh, you know how your better half uh, felt uh, about you traveling the world uh, with a little girl at home. Well, this week, you actually packed up the family and uh, to Cordoba, Spain on the coast. A beautiful uh, area of the world, obviously. So she must be very happy to be alongside you for your weekend travels. Yeah, fortunately, we were able to find the last place in Europe with a little bit of sunshine and some heat and temperatures above 70 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. So very excited about that and some great cultural stuff to see here as well. I think everyone's pretty happy about that. Yeah, so tell me, you know, as you travel to all parts of the world in the name of consumer choice, maybe a little rest and relaxation this weekend, but uh, you know, why Cordoba, Spain, other than the warm weather? You know, what type of uh, cultural significance does that area of the world uh, play in your mind? So I think, uh, you know, obviously Spain is awesome, great country, great culture. We learned a lot about it through, you know, cartoons and books and all the great things that we've read about in school. But what I think is really illustrious about this part of Spain is just the kind of Arabic culture. And if you look into it, you know, this was actually the capital of the Muslim caliphate of the kind of Western European powers at the time, but also stretching all the way to Baghdad. So Cordoba was the center, the capital of Moorish Spain, and the Moors were the ones who ruled over Spain from around the 17 or 700s to about the 1400s, so right before Christopher Columbus set off to the New World. You had sort of this Muslim empire that existed, and uh, at the time you had a lot of Christians and Jews to live within it, and it's really in this empire that we birthed and we learned algebra, trigonometry, uh, a lot of great advances. And I think one of the cooler aspects of this is it was actually the Moors, uh, a lot of the, the Arabic people at the time, the Arabs that translated some of the Greek texts that we learned in schools, Homer, Plato, Aristotle. And they actually were lost to history until they began to translate them. And eventually they got into Latin, the Romans started reading them, and then we got them to Western Europe, brought them to the New World, and the rest is history. So awesome part of the world, really cool history. A lot of great palaces all over the place. Uh, I'm in a tea house right now that tells you a lot about the culture here. So it's just great to see. You know, it's just, no culture is a monolith. Every culture is made up of people and cultures and languages from all over the place. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things that I've been able to see here. And in 90 seconds, we got a world history lesson that you likely did not learn in any part of your schooling from kindergarten up uh, through your a bachelor's degree at uh, some university across uh, this uh, world. Uh, isn't that amazing that in 90 seconds you can provide us uh, you know, a true uh, lesson of history that uh, we have likely never heard of before? 
<laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not even that hard. Uh, the education just basically is getting on a plane. And you can do that when there are cheap tickets and you got competition. You can go somewhere and you can find yourself a ticket for 70 to 80 euros. I think that's the one of the greater things that we're seeing out of the market. And I think any of your listeners can do exactly the same thing. It's not that hard. And, uh, well, that being said, uh, so you are one of those uh, contributing to the ultimate demise of our planet in four. Hopefully we've got Yael back on the line. Are you there, sir? Yes, sir. We're back on. We're All right. On. <laughs> it's great to have you. Was that you or me? Just, just for sake here, because I, I, I actually think that one was on your end, by the way. So we'll see. We'll figure it out. All right, uh, and, and and with that said, uh, I probably didn't pay the bill. That's what often happens when uh, things just short out. We often have to find out. All right, tell me, yeah, yeah. We saw an epic speech by Nigel Farage over the weekend, uh, or just a few days ago. Burned down the house and uh, left uh, waving his Union Jack flag as he departed ways with the European Union. Talk about the significance of Brexit this week. Yeah, so this is going to happen at 4 p.m. Eastern time for all of your listeners. That's when officially the United Kingdom will depart from the European Union. Uh, it's been about 30 years in the making. It's going to be kind of a, a different scenario for the big bloc countries that are involved in the EU. This is the, the big area that includes Germany, includes France, Austria, it includes Italy. Um, this huge trading bloc is one of the largest internal markets of the world and has its own centralized entities, parliament, council, um, these kind of entities that become their own governments. And what we've had in the last couple of years is this movement from the UK to just depart from that because the UK is a liberal democracy. It has a lot of traditions of democracy and freedom that have been in place for hundreds of years, and they didn't necessarily need to be in the European Union. I think that's what we're seeing now. So there's going to be a lot of celebration from a lot of people, but also a lot of work. You know, people need certainty, especially if you're a business owner, if you're selling products to the UK. If you're a UK business owner who's trying to sell things into Europe or the US, uh, you need to have some kind of clarity. So the big thing up on the agenda, first thing is to be able to have some kind of trade agreement, either with the US or the European Union right out of the gate. I think Trump has already kind of signaled that. So that's great. Uh, but we'll see what happens with the European Union. But overall, this is a big shift in history, a big movement. I think this is something to celebrate. You know, this is uh, people who are taking back kind of their own measure of freedom, uh, their own autonomy. I think that's something to always celebrate, Joe. So that's uh, that's Brexit Day. It's counting down 4 p.m. right here on the East Coast. Hey, tell me uh, when you uh, f first and foremost, you know, obviously not having a true understanding in the way in which uh, the European Union works uh, from a legislative uh, kind of standpoint, uh, and uh, you know how all of these different countries have representation on 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 the floor of the EU. Uh, you can't even. As part of the rules in the chamber, you can't even fly the flag. You can't even have a flag representing your country among you know other colleagues in that chamber. Apparently, huh? The, yeah, the, the woman at the top got very upset. The rule with of the uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the rule of the European Parliament: no flags allowed. Um, they really only did that because of the Brits, and the Brits have been bringing the flags, the Union Jack, down to the chamber for the last couple of years. That's really the only reason that rule was passed. But yeah, it's it's pretty ridiculous. Ah, oh, those uh, you know those Brits uh, over in the UK don't they just uh, get under your skin sometimes? Uh, Nigel Farage, I mean, you could tell that he was getting under the people's skin as he was calling some of them out and then just defying uh, the head of the parliament's uh, instruction. I thought it was quite funny, in fact. <laughs> I think even better than that, you have to imagine that Nigel Farage, who's been in politics now for what twenty or thirty years. And this is basically why he entered. This is why he went into politics. It's why he became a public figure. 
when he was first in the European Parliament talking about this issue, people laughed him out of the room. And now he's got the last laugh. And that was his last speech. And after he finished his speech and, and said goodbye in the most pleasant and British way possible, he picked up his pint, he picked up his flag and walked out. And uh, there's there a lot of sad faces in Brussels uh, yesterday, but I think a lot of celebrations and jubilant cheers from the Brits and back in the UK as well. So big changes. I think, uh, you know, hopefully this is over now. We can talk about bigger and better things and talk about how we can cooperate and trade and uh, kind of get past the bureaucratic elements because nobody loves bureaucracy, Joe. Everybody loves freedom and they especially love Freedom Friday. It is a sweet, sweet nectar. You know that. Uh, Yael Lasowski from the Consumer Choice Center. All right, give me your thoughts on the coronavirus and uh, the way in which uh, China has responded. Very difficult to get uh, you know, legitimate news uh, headlines and uh, stories uh, coming out of a communist country. How has uh, China handled uh, this entire situation? And uh, are we responding properly you know, here in the U.S. and uh, around the rest of the world? Yeah, well, it's a tale of two stories. You got one is the World Health Organization just came out yesterday, and they announced that this is now a uh, uber high level outbreak that they need to take care of. They're very late to the game. Though we've been actually talking about this for weeks. Uh, that's the first story. The World Health Organization has been too busy in the last couple of months trying to regulate that vape device that's in your mouth so that you can stop smoking. They put way too much emphasis on that, and they haven't focused on the coronavirus at all. So that's the first story. I mean, there's a lot more that will be written about that. Just It's just really unconscionable that you know these global public health experts are the ones who are supposed to swoop in and save the day and you know keep us safe. But instead, they've been really, if you look at all their social media, if you look at all their papers, their conferences, all they've done the last year is just talk about how vaping is evil. So where, where are you guys now? You know, you're a bit too late to the game. So that's story number one. Story number two is China. Um, actually, the World Health Organization praised China for its handling so far and its transparency, which is, again, outrageous because you had China who is actively arresting people who are talking about this virus being more dangerous than people are talking about and actually threatening journalists in that area of Wuhan. So I don't think China is really the best exemplar of how we're supposed to approach one of these crises the communist government is saving face. You know, if anyone has seen the, the show Chernobyl on HBO, this is basically the same story in the year 2020. It's a communist government that's faced with a crisis. It lies, it lies, it lies until it's finally confronted with the big fact that we've got a huge danger, a big global pandemic that started right there on their doorstep. Yael, as uh, that conversation turns into other news items surrounding the Chinese and tying it together with, of course, Great Britain. Uh, well, the U.K. working on adjusting their access to the Internet and the speed in which it operates. And uh, there's been some tension along with the U.S. in uh, who is getting the bids and working on that 5G network across uh, across England. And in fact, uh, well, it seems like the U.K. going to utilize uh, a part of uh, China and the network that we have talked about uh, over the last uh, few times you've appeared on the program and allowing the Chinese uh, to get involved in the 5G implementation across uh, their nation. What kind of problems does that maybe pose for the U.K. and uh, the, the rest of us as uh, China tries to influence uh, many other lands uh, beyond uh, their part of the world? So we know that, that 5G is the next, that's the kind of the next level of the internet. You know, that's not just 
a normal router and there's a big zone, a big net, for instance, that you get your internet, this is the next generation is going to be pointed right at your device, right at your phone, right at your computer, right at your iPad. That's the next generation. And the Chinese company Huawei has been a big innovator in that. And they've kind of installed themselves in markets around the world. And the next one is the United Kingdom. And the United Kingdom already signed a deal with them. And they're going to start installing uh, different parts of base stations and different routers and different areas. I mean, the big issue with that is very simple. Look, this is a, a company that really we don't know the connection. We don't know how close they are to the Chinese Communist Party, but we do know that they report to them. And every single time that we're going to install any product that is Hawaii, that is any Chinese tech company, we have to be worried about our data being transferred to Beijing. I think that's a big concern. And if you're the United Kingdom and you just sign away that uh, willy-nilly after fighting for years to free yourself from the European Union, you know, what gives here? Uh, one thing is not the other. So there, there's definitely a lot of head shaking that's going around uh, looking at the political establishment in the United Kingdom. I mean, there's, ten, there's plenty of competition out there. There's plenty of great products. doesn't mean that we need to go kowtow to Beijing and the communist regime right now. Again, the Chinese people are great. They're themselves fighting against their own regimes and their own government. And uh, you know, the examples that we should be setting in the Western world and liberal dem democratic countries is, look, we're not going to put up with this. We're going to try to embrace good democratic systems, good liberal democracies that give us great technological products. I really don't see any need to try to involve a Chinese Communist Party-directed uh, company uh, and really make that the great supplier of our electrical products. So that's uh, pretty worrying out of the UK. I hope uh, a little bit after the Brexit uh, jubilee dies down, they'll think more about this in the future. Quickly, tomorrow, what is on tap for the latest edition of Consumer Choice Radio? So Consumer Choice Radio, yeah, tomorrow at uh, 10, Joe, thanks for that. We've got a lot bigger breakdown on the coronavirus. We talk a lot more about sort of the implications, more about the World Health Organization. And then we're actually going down and celebrating the run-up to the Iowa caucuses. It's coming up over the weekend, so we've got kind of a breakdown of all the candidates, uh, some good stories with that, and a little bit more tales out of Davos. So there's too many secrets, Joe. We, we couldn't just keep them in one program. We had to spread it over to two. Nothing better than being associated with the Rebels of Davos. Wish I was there. I'm going to make plans to try and get there maybe next year and join uh, you all out there with the Consumer Choice Center. Yael, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much, Joe. Have a great day. Great weekend as well. No doubt, and we will enjoy it uh, here in southeastern North Carolina. Here on the Big Talker FM, Consumer Choice Radio airs 10 o'clock Saturday mornings, and you just heard from... It's host, Yael Lasowski from the Consumer Choice Center, consumerchoicecenter.org, the global grassroots movement for consumer choice.